That, of course, the sights and sounds from the 2022 CPL final in front of 15,000 people in the nation's capital of Ottawa. Hard to believe it is over five months since that moment, but that's right, we are back. The Canadian Premier League starts this weekend. My name is Christian Jack, and as usual, I'll be joined by my team members very soon to get you ready for the new season. That's right, this weekend sees, this weekend sees the beginning of a new season in the Canadian Premier League, a fifth season in the CPL as eight clubs from coast to coast start their quest to win potentially three domestic trophies this season. That's right, the CPL regular season, the CPL playoff champion, and of course, the Canadian Championship, all of which award berths in the 2024 CONCACAF Champions League. And over the next 90 minutes or so, fitting for a game, I suppose. Also, myself and the newsroom team will get you set for the new season, and we will hear from a player from each club previewing the new campaign. Here is a look at the opening fixtures this weekend, as we put that up there, which fittingly starts in the nation's capital as the 2022 regular season champs Atletico Ottawa take on a new Halifax Wanderers team under Patrice Guy's had many changes. 2022 North Star Shield victors Forge FC reignite their rivalry from day one with the team they beat in the semifinals last year, Cavalry FC at Tim Hortons Field on Saturday in the second game of a triple header on the opening day of the season. Third, and by suddenly not last, not least, uh, will be out west for the 2021 Champs Pacific, hosting the brand new team in the Canadian Premier League, Vancouver FC, in what will be their first ever match. Sunday season improved York United host Vala FC as the two teams that were the closest to making the playoffs before falling short last year look to start well at York Lions Stadium. For those of you joining live, feel free to submit the questions. Already seeing some of them there already. If you're listening later on the pod, on the podcast, we, of course, also thank you for that as well. And, of course, you can always get questions in by that way as well. What we're going to do again over the next 90 minutes or so, we're going to preview every club and we're going to start from the top. But before we do that, we want to say that this is presented by Volkswagen. We thank you, Volkswagen, to be a major partner here at the Canadian Premier League once again. This is the CPL Newsroom presented by Volkswagen for the entire 2023 season. And we are delighted that many fans are here watching live tonight. And of course, we'll ask their questions and we'll get, get to many of them as the show goes on. As I said, I can't do this without my friends and my correspondents. And let's bring in Charlie O'Connor-Clark for our first preview of the night. Here he is. And we're going to start from Hello. top to bottom with the final standings at the end of last season and with that charlie fittingly again we start in the nation's capital you've been traveling across the country over the last few weeks from coast to coast with our friend kenny edwards as well into a lot of these markets so as our current correspondent for atletico ottawa i want to start something with you that i want to call five questions in five minutes five key questions in five minutes on every club and with Ottawa, I think it's fitting that we get right into them right away. Uh, so, Charlie, from last year, it was from worst to first in 2022. That's right. They were That's last right. in 2021 and they were first in 2022. So what is progress in 2023 for this team? And is it simply from worst to first in the final game of 2023 where they'll want to lift that North Star Shield? Yeah, I uh, I think that there's a lot of progress that this club can still make. I think that they'll probably say that as well. And it's not just that they need to they needed to be better in that one game i think we'll get into some of the specifics of it in a little bit here but uh, i mean obviously atletico ottawa will want to expand on what made them good last year they had that kind of defensive structure they're very difficult to play against um but i think maybe the, the first thing for me is that they need to be better with the ball they need to be more dangerous uh, they need to to maybe find more ways to break teams down and not just there were games definitely last year where we saw them allow the other team to play towards them. 
right? They, you know, sit back sometimes and, and especially on the road and we'll, we'll talk about their away form soon, but uh, they, I think the next step for them is, you know, now that they've established themselves as a team that can win games, can be a competitor in the league, can be a contender, uh, which they had to do last year after being pretty bad the year before. Now it's about establishing establishing yourself more fully as kind of a, a consistent team that's uh, going to to score goals and entertain and uh, just be able to play in a variety of different ways. Because I think you can go a long way in one year playing a certain way, uh, and, and especially if nobody expects you to, if that's kind of a surprise in the early parts of the season. But I think from there, what comes next is you have to improve and you have to expand and i think you have to find new ways of, of getting at teams if things aren't working because that wasn't necessarily something that uh, they did a lot last year of was uh you know adapting inside of games they would kind of play a certain way and it would work most more often than not but uh, i'd like to see some some different things some, some you know uh more interesting ideas thrown at teams and games and, and new ways of of playing with this squad that they have that's a lot of talent yeah, certainly compared to the year prior, it was more of a football revolution last year. I suppose it's all about evolution this year. Um, number two question for you is this. Which stat is the most impressive and why from last season? Uh, home record, 13 wins and four draws in 17 games. Um, uh, sorry, 13 wins and four draws in the 17 games he took the lead in. Um, that's one stat. Um, they won back-to-back games six times last year. They'd never previously done that ever. They ended the season on a nine-game unre- unbeaten run. And eight away wins, tying a CPL season record. Of those four, which one is the most impressive to you and why? I think for me, it's it's probably the first one. Just being unbeaten in games where you take the lead. We've seen so many teams in Ottawa the year before when they finished last, right? Was giving up late goals that they should have, losing points from winning positions, which... You know, other teams that I think we'll talk about later struggled a lot more with last year. And in the CPL in general, we've seen a lot of games go down to those final moments. But for Ottawa to be so good at playing once they got the lead, that's uh, that's unbelievable to me. And I think obviously we'll talk about why maybe they didn't win the final because they weren't so good if they went down in games. Mm. They have to open up. But they, they really showed that if they score first, First, you are really, really unlikely to get through them and score a, score two goals to to come back completely and beat them, right? Yeah, definitely. That's the positive. Okay, the negative. Which stat is the most glaring and needs to change from 2023? Is it 43% possession, which was seven out of eight? Eight out of eight in penalty area entries, which is remarkable for a league champion. Uh, four first half goals scored all season at home or just five wins from 14 last season? I think it might be the penalty area entries for me, just because it's a little bit more indicative of what some of the the challenges facing this team this year are, is that they they showed that they maybe weren't necessarily able to break teams down if they gave them the ball, right? You know, 43% possession for me, that's, that's, again, not particularly surprising because they love to play on the counterattack and on the break. Um, first half goals at home that is a problem for me but you know how do you score goals by getting into the penalty area mm-hmm. yeah if they that as I know I've made a lot of their adjustments this offseason is trying to find players who can cut in off the wing and, and find those more incisive passes to try and you know develop 
develop attacking moves with the ball rather than hitting on the counter, trying to to get it over the top to Baloo Tabla for a little bit of pace. I think there's more more maybe maybe footwork and players able to get into the box now this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, don't worry, Finn. We're going to get into Johnny DeSantos later. We're going to talk about that. Um, the one thing I'd say about the next question, we'll keep it quick. Carlos Gonzalez uh, undoubtedly named coach of the year last year for a reason. What do mm-hmm. we want to see from him to evolve this year? You touched on it a little bit on the first one, but I think he did what he did last season for a reason because it was almost where, you know, how quickly could he get that team to success? But are we going to see a different side of Carlos Gonzalez this season or is it a little bit of a adjusted playbook? I think so. I think we'll see a little bit of an evolution now that he's been working with this squad for a little bit longer. I think last year was, again, about establishing Atletico Ottawa as a club that can be competitive, can get into the playoff at least, and they obviously did even better than that in the regular season. But now that you know, they've seen that that works, they've got that in their back pocket, and Carlos has worked with a lot of these players for a little bit for a little bit of time now. I uh, I think that the next step is opening things up a little bit, putting a little bit more... Uh, or, or just looking for the ball more, being a little bit more aggressive, I think, in ways. And I think that that's something that Carlos certainly wants to do in, in a lot of ways. It maybe didn't necessarily have the time under a manager to be able to do that consistently enough last year for them to try it particularly often. You know what I mean? Because teams, if they're trying to get out of the basement, they will find a style that works and they'll stick to it. And now teams have probably figured that out, that Ottawa are going to try to do that. So... Carlos, who's obviously a, a really sharp footballing mind, will know that. And he'll be he'll have been working on ways that they can play differently and surprise teams again, because I think that was a, a major asset for Ottawa last year. Yeah, no doubt about it. They're, they're going to have to, I think, take it to another level. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they've lost some key players, but Lou Tablas, one player has gone to Turkey, again, showing the evolution of the Canadian Premier League, continuing to move players abroad into different leagues. Um, but they've brought a number of players in. Of those acquisitions, maybe it's Finn's boy Gianni Dos Santos, I don't know, but who excites you the most? Uh, I think that there's a lot to like in the attackers they brought, and Gianni Dos Santos obviously can... Can produce some of those moments of magic that uh, that I think they might need at some points. Uh, Noah Verhoeven's a really really sharp player in midfield, and that helps address another kind of issue of, of a player leaving when Abdou Sissoko leaves. You need you know more central midfielders. Uh, Sam Salter obviously scored plenty of goals in Halifax last year, but the one that actually I'm most intrigued by is bringing Carl Wimet into mm-hmm. the back line. He's a he's a player with MLS pedigree, national team pedigree. Who uh, on, honestly I. Uh, when Drew Becky retires, I, I think that Carl might actually be better than Drew Becky coming into that uh, lineup there. And obviously he's very familiar with some of his teammates, especially Maxime Tissot, who he'll probably be playing right next to in a back line. So I think that that might be the one that I'm most intrigued by. I think he's a very talented center back and that was kind of the biggest strength for Ottawa last year. So I think for me, it's, it's encouraging that that's going to continue to be the case, right? They knew that that's, you know, you, you weren't able to get into their box either if you were trying to throw crosses in or, or play through them last year. And that will continue to be the case because of the player that they brought in. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a fantastic acquisition. A player that knows how to win games, as you mentioned, was with Tiso and Montreal Impact as well. All right, Charlie, we'll let you go. We'll get you back in for the next correspondent later in the show. Uh, we have spoke already a lot about Atletico Ottawa, but very little about Oli Bassett. Oli won the Player of the Year last year and the Players Player of the Year. That says a lot about their depth. Charlie recently went to Ottawa to catch up with the Englishman. Undeniably now, 
for a third time in four seasons, Forge of Hamilton are champions of the Canadian Premier League, a dynasty. When you're playing games like that, um, you know, you obviously want the result to go your way, but I think sometimes you learn more from them when, when they don't. Um, and yeah, like you said, the occasion and, and the night itself, um, 15,000 fans inside TD was was a special night for not just us, but for the league itself. So, yeah, I think we'll, we'll use that as motivation um, throughout the course of the year. And, and fingers crossed, um, we'll have a, we, can, we can host another one of them. Where do you maybe go from there? What's the, the sort of the next evolution? Yeah, I think obviously the only th thing uh, we could probably do better than last season was, was win the final. Um, so I think for us, kind of our, our expectations all stay the same um, as last season. You know, we want to you know, win the regular season and obviously now um, qualify for the Champions League. I think that's where um, the club wants to be. 22 CEO Player of the Year is this year at Ottawa, Do you have any idea that you, know, you could get to that level in this league? What do you sort of look back at that year with? I, don't, I wasn't really thinking about you know any of that during the course of the season. I was just focused on on trying to do my best and and, and do well for the team and. And then hopefully individually that would, you know, take care of itself. But yeah, I was always, um, you know, looking just to just to play more games and and solidify myself as a as a good player in this league. And you know, I just try to stay consistent. And you know, hopefully the the hard work will pay off. A Bassett bomb. How do you kind of maybe evolve as a team? How do you maybe see things maybe being a little bit different mm -hmm. on the pitch for this club this year? Yeah, I think there was times last year where we could have been maybe a little bit better on the ball. Um, you know, in the build-up or, or after we win the ball back, so we're not kind of suffering defensively so much. Um, but I think, you know, kind of what we achieved last year, you know, ultimately worked um, and we're very good at what we do. So I'm sure we're not going to deviate away from that too much this year because, you know, it's, it, it would be um, interesting to change something that, that works so well. What impression do you have of, of the sport of football in Canada and of you know, the league itself here that now that you've been around a little bit? The league itself has taken you know giant steps forward um, in terms of domestically and then I think the, the national team, um, you know I know the results didn't go their way at the World Cup but kind of the way they played and, and the way they showed everyone what they can do I think it was a great advert for, for Canadian soccer and Canadian football, sorry. <laughs> Um, and um, yeah, I think moving forward, um, I think it's only going to continue to grow. And, and yeah, I've said it before, but I think it's a, an exciting time for, for anyone, you know, Canadian or, or international to, to be playing in this league. And yeah, I think five, ten years time, you'll, you'll see a, a big reason why. Great words there from Oli Bassett. Uh, just to finish quickly, a few comments in the chat from Ottawa fans. Athletic Ottawa fans are very lively in the chat tonight. Jeff says Ottawa need to upset, uh, update their consistency a little bit. They've lost a massive piece in Tableau, so figuring out who their primary goal scorers will be should be their number one priority. Uh, interesting there. Obviously, Salter could certainly become that kind of player for them. Um, Ryan wants to know why Charlie O'Connor-Clark and Oli Bassett look the same. Uh, but anyway, uh, maybe we'll move on to that and ask Charlie the hard questions later. What they do have in common is they support a great football team. Uh, I can't say the same about the next guy, Mitchell Tierney. Let's bring him in. Um, he's got Dean Smith supporting his uh, now uh, his team, Leicester. Sorry, Mitch, I just had to hit the hard while I was down. You've won a Premier League title recently. I've got to, I've got to have a go. You're Leicester loving for a second. Mitchell Tierney's joining us to, uh, to, as our 
Forge FC correspondent tonight. And we started with Ottawa for a reason because they won the regular season championship, Mitch. But most people would agree that the major memory is of that game in Ottawa, of course, won by Forge, the last game of the season at the end of October. We're going to hear from Davish one year shortly, who I know you've caught up with in the offseason as well. So let's get to five questions in five minutes with the, the champs, the North Star Shield champs. And let's keep the number going, the theme going a little bit. Forge could well be Forge with a U. That's right, F-O-U-R, if they make it four from five in 2023. What makes them the favorites to lift the trophy again this year? Well, I'll hit you with another number, and that's 19. And that is the number of returning players for Forge. And, uh, you know, champions aren't supposed to run it back like this. You know, usually, especially in a league like the Canadian Premier League, you see players go to different levels. Um, the coach sometimes even leaves. And, you know, the only other champion in this league's ever had, that being Pacific FC, um, well, I guess it was Forge who came in and kind of gutted them, taking away Hojabrapur and Campbell, and then Pamadu Ka moved on. And, you know, since then, there's three players who remain with Pacific FC who are in that starting lineup for the final against Forge. So, you know, that level of consistency and being able to keep that number of players who know the culture, know the system, know what Bobby expects is is incredible. And, you know, the, the success this past season and in past seasons speaks for itself. So um, I think it's that number 19 that makes them, you know, so likely to repeat as champions. Very well said. Um, Bobby Smaniotis returns as head coach, um, despite rumors swirling around Europe and MLS of his departure in the offseason. I think we're pretty lucky to have him here in the uh, in the Canadian Premier League, no doubt about that. What makes Bobby so special and how fortunate are Forge to still keep him at this point, Mitch? I think there's a lot of things that make him special. I think, you know, on the field, an incredible tactical manager and, um, you know, game manager as well. And one thing that you can kind of find sometimes with tactical managers is they kind of overthink situations. They, um, you know, there's one who may be managing a high profile Champions League game tomorrow who uh, over in Europe, who is well known for maybe in knockout fixtures, you know, going a little crazy with his tactics. But Bobby's the kind of guy where if you're playing a midfielder as a, as a left back on the other team, you know, he's going to send 80% of his attacks down that flank. He's not someone who's, um, you know, going to complicate things in any way. And I think that that's a, a big part of what makes him such a great manager. Um, another thing is just, you know, the relationships he has with players. He's still someone who talks to Kyle Lahren frequently from their time at Sigma, you know, Mandrakar mm -hmm. James coming in They're They're big. Um, they're basically only off season acquisition says, you know, he's not coming in if it's not for Bobby. So, um, you know, it's on and off the field that this guy is, you know, one of the top coaches in this country. So the fact that he's coaching in the Canadian Premier League uh, is massive for the league. We'll get to Mandrika James in a second. Let's talk about the question number three. The strength of 2022 was really their attack. And that couldn't be said in 2021. They became a more clinical, ruthless team in front of goal, no longer overplaying. Uh, they scored 46 goals inside the box. If you're the gaffer, and I know you're not because we just said it was Bobby, but they've got Wubens Passius, Jordan Hamilton, and Taron Campbell. Who's playing where in the first game? And are they all getting in the, on the pitch at, to start with? Uh, well, I'll have to grow my beard out a little bit more before I can, you know, Let's get uh, qualified to uh, answer this question. But um, I, I don't think all of them are seeing the pitch. In fact, I think it might only be Wubens to start. I think you go with, you know, the player who was in form at the end of last year, obviously scored key goals for them. I think scored three goals against Cavalry in between the playoffs and, 
the the regular season. Um, other than that, it's just really difficult to to see any of the others getting on because you have to get Schwanier on there, who I think also scored a bunch of goals. I think three as well against Calvary last season. You know, you got to get Borges in there. The midfield kind of writes itself at this point. The the defenders, you know, with James coming in. So I think there is only space for Pasias at this point. And you know, you might see Campbell or, or Hamilton off the bench, but um, Pasias led the team in scoring. He scored when it mattered. I think that's the guy who you start your year with. Yeah, my notebooks tell me uh, Forge are 16 wins and one draw in games when Wuben scores for them, which is pretty impressive. Uh, I've been watching Forge a little bit in preseason. By the way, Jordan Hamilton looks in incredible shape and very motivated when I spoke to him, so keep an eye on that as well. So how do they get better in 2023? Well, what about one weakness of 2022? Consistency at the back. They had a lot of injuries at the back. Daniel Crutzen was hurt, only played two games, ended up lifting the trophy at the end, has now moved on to the USL. They had eight different partnerships, Mitch in central defense. In fact, Beloueu and Jonsson were the only ones who played the most together. That was nine. Um, that's not enough, really, when you think about it, over 28 games. So how big of an acquisition is Mandrakar James, a player that I know you've followed for many years? Yeah, I think he's a very big acquisition. And, you know, a player who maybe hasn't had consistency of club over the past few years in terms of loans and, and different sorts of moves. But, you know, he's regularly played 20-plus games a season over the past few years. It, you know, it, whether or not that's at the same level or between the same club, um, you know, not always. But, you know, this is a guy who knows how to play big minutes. He's played in huge matches, uh, be that the Dan Danish League, you know, Champions League for, for Canada, the Gold Cup, World Cup qualifying. Um, so, yeah, I do think that consistency is going to be very important. You know, you, it's probably going to be Alex. I mean, he just won Defender of the Year. So you have a, a built-in partnership there between the two of them. And the, the good news, though, is um, with the number of changes last year, you know, if you need a Matusla, if you need a Dom Samuel, if you need a Labi Bellu to, to spot start for you, those players have plenty of experience. So, you know, I think that there's, again, it's another area where there's a lot to like for Forge. Okay, last one in 45 seconds or less. You spoke to him in the offseason. Davish won, yeah, missed the clutch, scored in the semifinal, scored in the final, scored in the Azteca last year in the Champions League, makes a habit of getting those big goals and big games, was a free agent in the offseason, had a number of different opportunities to go somewhere. I know you knew you spoke to him about that. What does it say about Forge that Davish won, yeah, chose to stay? I think it says that this is a project that's going to keep being successful. You know, this this is a player in the, near the prime of his career where if he doesn't believe that it's going to keep being successful, he's not sticking around. So to sign a multi-year deal, to, to show that faith in the club, not in what they've done in the past, but what they're going to still do is very huge. And off the field as well, this is something that Bobby Smirniotis talks about a lot. You know, this league celebrates the players who move on to the next level a lot. And that is important and obviously a, a big reason why this league exists. But those players who stick around, who build their name up within the league and within the community. You know, Schwanier is right up there in terms of the stars of this league now. So keeping him around, um, you know, has another face for for young players and, um, you know, young fans coming out to these Forge games who they'll, they'll know. And obviously having scored some of the goals he has in the final uh, last year, highest of all, uh, you know, that, that adds to his profile. Great stuff, Mitch. We'll have you back on later to break down Halifax Wanderers. Uh, thanks for this. Appreciate it. Mitchell Taney here on the CPL Newsroom presented by Volkswagen. And he mentioned it there. He really is now a star in this league. Let's hear more from the star of David of Hamilton. The backer was closing in on it. Forge has kept it. Oh! It's brilliant! It's an honor to be back at Forge. We have great success over the last four years. 
and the goal remained the same. It's to keep having success in any competition we're part of. Force. And we just want to keep building on what we, we already did. We talk a lot in the CPL about players moving on and taking other opportunities, but it's also a big story that you know a player like you, who's had some great moments in this club, and it was in the end your choice to stay at this club to you know contend for more trophies. Just tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I took some time off to think about what's the best option in my in my career right now. I think Forge was the the perfect one for me with the success we had earlier over the years. Me as a player. I just want to keep getting better every year. If I can improve myself by 10%, it can be 50%, it can be 1%. If I'm getting better, I think I'm going in the right direction. And the word I'm going to use is consistency. If you can be uh, good slash great often, then you're in the right way to achieve great things. I think I had a really good moment last year. Now it's just about having more great moments. One year to the right, the strike! Off the glove of Carter Giannin! Does it appeal to you to kind of be a player that's you know going to go down as, as maybe a legend of this club, somebody who's been around this club in the early years and and been a, such a, a big part of those special moments? Those are always fun, I think. But to be honest, I don't really think about them. I think I'm going to think about them when I stop playing and then I look back at my career and then all the big goals, the big moments, the trophies. But right now, I'm really focused on what I need to achieve today, what I need to do today to be the better, better version of myself. We have a great team, great coaching staff, and I know the club is really ambitious, so we're gonna keep going that way. I wanna talk about the last two goals you've scored here in the semifinal and the final. So I know there's, you know, there's maybe a bit of a story about them. So I get the ball from Alex, and then I see Ali in the middle, and there's a bit of deflection on the Calgary players. I just started making a run, and I saw a gap between the, their left center back and their left back and Ali played me a perfect through ball and I just uh, took a shot where I know the single, I know where the goalie is so it was a great feeling, you can see the reaction of the team and my reaction it was an important goal for, for us. Garvin in the half space and you start driving at the Ottawa's players and I get the ball on my feet and I saw the defender coming at me pretty quick so I had to make a skills honestly that skills I don't I don't make it often I didn't think about anything that's why I, when I explained that to people I think I, I was really in the zone in that moment that, that and I just uh, try to hit the ball in the, in the perfect spot so it goes in that was a big moment the final, it was a big emotion. You're always happy about those goals. Thanks to Kenny Edwards, of course, for the content there. Of course, one soccer as well, the courtesy. And shout out Adam Jenkins, what might be the greatest call in CPL history, dropping the hammer in the CPL final for the Davish one-year goal. Love that. Uh, talking of love, let's bring in Benedict Rhodes next as we break down Cavalry FC heading into their fifth season in the Canadian Premier League. Benny, great to see you. And with Cavalry... Uh, you know, it's pretty obvious what the story is here. No team has won more games in CPL history than them, 51. But simply, is it a trophy or bust for them this season in 2023? 
It very well could be, right? Like they, you mentioned, they've they've always been knocking on the door. Tommy Wheeldon Jr. likes to say, you know, they've been there or thereabouts, but they haven't they haven't been there. They, they they've never they've never crossed that line and, and, and jumped over that final hurdle. And uh, you know, this year, you know, probably has to be the year for them. They have two trophies this year to win. Depending on your opinions on the Wild Rose Cup, they've they've never won a trophy. Um, so you know, this is this is the year they they've they've got to get it over the line and they have a good team again this year. And and I think a lot of people are expecting them to. Know, to make that jump and, and finally get something. A reminder for those who aren't aware, they got beat last year in the semifinal in arguably the best two-legged semifinal you'll ever see in, in the Canadian Premier League. You know, it was terrific. Uh, it was very, very close, and it could have gone either way. Obviously, red cards in the second leg, very close, but in the end, they were on the wrong end of that again. But I think they would admit that they probably left too much on the table in the home leg. They didn't win the home leg, Benedict, just like they didn't win the home leg in the final in 2019, and they didn't win the home leg in 2021 against Pacific either. They're 26, 6, and 6 at home in the regular season. They won 10 wins at home last season in 2022, the best home record again in the regular season, which I guess, again, makes some of their playoff disappointments at home a bit more puzzling. What makes at Cofield at Spruce Meadows such a fortress for this team? Uh, I think it's, it's there's a few factors. I think one of them is the fans. You know, some people have compared it to walking into a gladiator stadium. You know, you walk down and there's the fans right behind the goal. They're they're noisy. They're always they're always there and pushing their team forward. And uh, that's obviously a huge advantage for any team in the Canadian Premier League. Um, and also, you know, playing on natural grass and playing lots of games on natural grass, I think, is also very helpful for them and and gives them that advantage in that in that regard as well. So there's there's a few factors, and and uh, I fully expect that to continue again this season. That's the positive. Let's look at a little bit of the negative. I'm going to throw three stats at you, and I want to know which is the most concerning. Uh, last season, just four away wins uh, with four clean sheets. Uh, they conceded 20 away goals, uh, or was it scoring just 12 goals in their final 14 games? By the way, that's the, the XG of that was 14. There were 21 in the first half, a, a massive difference in terms of their goal scored and their, their positivity, positivity in the box in the, in, the, in the second half of the season. So, Benedict, four away wins with four clean sheets, conceding 20 away goals or just 12 goals in their final 14? I think it's 12 goals in the final 14. I think, you know, we've seen them a few years in a row now with Calvary. They've they've started well or, or maybe had a, a good first half of the season and then slowed down right at the time when most teams want to be ramping up right into the playoffs. And uh, that was their issue again last year. You mentioned the, the home playoff game. They, they scored one goal, but they couldn't find that second one and or they couldn't maybe uh, get the, the points towards the end of the season that they needed to to really jump up into the, the higher part of the table and, uh, and and maybe get, you know, home field advantage with the second leg at home. So, um, you know, scoring goals is always going to be a priority for every team, of course, but Calvary especially, they kind of slowed off, I guess, towards the end of the season. Despite not winning, I feel like reading some and listening to some people that they're not a sleeper. They can never be a sleeper, but people are, I guess, a little underestimating the quality of this team. They're still a really good team, and they've had the most continuity outside of Forge. They have 14 returnees uh, as they look to take it to another level. So um, of those 14 players who are coming back, who needs to go to the next step? to help carry them towards a trophy this year, Ben? Yeah, I think it's someone who's been integral to this team for a few years now, but he's been dealing with a lot of injuries and needs to find that consistency on the field, and, and that's Sergio Camargo. I think, you know, we know when he, when he is playing and he, he can be one of the best players in this league uh, in that sort of attacking role, and 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 having him healthy and on the pitch regularly, consistently will, will improve those things like converting goal chances because he's as good as anyone in this league when he's fit and firing at, at creating chances and hopefully as well finishing them off. A reminder, you can read about all the returnees and the new signing, signings on our previews right now at campiel.ca. Fifth and final question for you, Benny. Of the new signings in Calgary, who excites you the most? 
Uh, for me, it's Callum Montgomery at center back. You know, they they um, Calvary have lost a couple of big center backs for them, Mason Trafford and Keith Liao. Um, they don't have a ton of depth at center back this season, so uh, I think I think someone who's going to come in and, and be a starter straight away and and be crucial to how they play is going to be Callum Montgomery. He, you know, has been drafted into MLS. He's played with the youth national team, and I think he's going to be very important to this season. Yeah, it's a great shout. I spoke to Callum recently, obviously was with Dallas, where he was drafted in that same year as the likes of Tejon Buchanan, Kamal Miller, and obviously Dane Sinclair. Knew Dane Sinclair very well at Minnesota. Got his chance now to come back to the to, to Canada and play in the CPL. Full, you know, had a lot of injuries in Minnesota, had sports hernia surgery, and he's definitely back to full fitness. So, um, you know, left-sided ball-playing centre-back, I think it'd be, it'd be really important for Cavalry. Uh, Benny, you're always important for us. We appreciate it. We'll get you back on shortly to look at Valor. Thanks for this. In the meantime, let's sit back and listen to one of the most iconic figures, and I suppose one of the poster men now for the, for the league in the CPL, uh, a player that Cavalry fans love and everybody else ac- across the league seems to pretty much detest. From a superman to a supervillain, here's Jose Escalante. It will be Escalante! Golf Cavalry! So I don't know why the people are talking about me. <laughs> but I think it's the, the way how we compete, right? I like mm. to compete. I like to win. I think uh, every game, like uh, I try to bring that energy for the, for the team. And, and that's all. That's the only thing is, uh, I try to do is compete and win the game. We're trying to manage it. Quick counter-attack, and well, the challenge from Rama on Escalante, who rather theatrically rolled over two or three times. How many rolls did we get today? Three? Tell them. Well, there's one, and then, well, there's another one, and one more for good measure. What is the difference between him on the pitch and off the pitch? Like, black and white, like miles different, it's hilarious. He's He's funny, he's starting, like, he chats a bit of the pitch as well, but I don't know why I say that word, but, um, no, he, he's like, he wears his glasses, he's quiet, he's the nicest guy ever, he just looks out for his friends. He's a wonderful friend, he's someone I've gotten to know pre-Cavalry, by the way, we, we spent a bit of time together um, in years past in, uh, in the USL and the MLS at, in Houston, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, he's someone who, over the years, I've, I've been lucky enough to now call a very close friend of mine. I think anyone that spent five minutes with him off the pitch knows what a, what a sweetheart of a guy he is. Uh, it's pretty cool to see someone be, you know, again, such an amazing human being off the pitch and then come on and be uh, such a ferocious competitor. It's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty awesome and inspiring. He's got quality, that's for sure. He brings a different dynamic to the team. Oh, look at this, Joe Mason on the other end of a perfect delivery in behind the Forge back line. What a ball that is by Escalante. You know, obviously you're a player who's like so loved by the fans and teammates here um, and maybe not so much from the fans and players of other teams. How much do you kind of embrace that, that idea of being sort of a, an important player here who maybe other teams don't like to play against? Yeah, what I say is it, I try to compete and try to bring energy. That's the, the only thing I try to do. He's a competitor. Uh, no matter what, whether we're playing cards on a road trip or it's uh, you know the first game of the season, he wants to win. He's a beast, and I think it's one of those ones, that, one of those guys that you just you hate to play against. Fans hate him. Other teams just like playing against him. But when you have him on your team, he's he's unreal. What comes to mind when I think of Papi is uh, the Diego Simeone uh, <laughs> quote that he wants his players playing with a knife between their teeth, kind of thing. I try to take like 
any advantage I can to, to try to help my team. Mm -hmm. um, but it's my game, it's like how would I play. I think everybody in the, the league know that, the teams know that. Try to, to help my teammates, to help my team, and bring that energy, good energy, and compete. Jose Escalante, the kind of guy who plays with a knife between his teeth on the pitch and then would walk your grandmother across the street uh, without it, apparently. So my favorite part of those interviews, by the way, was just when players were trying to describe what he was like on the pitch and they would go, err, because he wasn't quite sure about saying a bad word. Uh, they would consistently stop themselves from saying it. Uh, never a bad word out of this next man's mouth. Uh, let's bring in AGR, uh, our Pacific West Coast correspondent. Alex, great to see you, my man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let's get into our Pacific FC team. Uh, they finished fourth last season. Finn and everybody in the chat here are all getting excited for this. Let's start with our five minutes and five questions on the on the clock for this. And I want to start by going back before we look ahead. Only three points separated first to fourth last season in the regular season where they finished fourth. But is it fair to say that Pacific were clearly the fourth best out of the four? And did the playoffs show that last season? Yeah, Pacific was certainly a strange team last year. And you could kind of, you know, they started so well. And then obviously the sale, Alejandro Diaz, looms so large and I think when looking back the big thing uh, is just looking at the underlying numbers I think defensively as well in particular uh, or offensively pardon me they were a team that really struggled to generate numbers and even defensively they weren't as strong as the the numbers suggest and that helped that they had a goalie like Cal Irving who, who's someone who they're certainly going to miss on the other side of the new derby um, so yeah you look at the the playoffs and how they faced the, you know Ottawa and how Ottawa is just able to go into to starlight and and win such a convincing such a good two no road performance and it felt like that second leg was just the story of Pacific's second half of the season they played so well knocked on the door hit a crossbar hit a post hit everything but put the ball in the net and then they were just able to get iced by that that Malcolm Shaw goal and it, it kind of really summed up what Pacific ended up being at the end of the year yeah probably telling that that goal that they scored came from a set piece uh, let's get into the stars 36 points from 17 games featuring Manny Aparicio last season 10 points from the 11 games without him what makes him so valuable as he returns again for a third season at Starlight? Yeah, I mean, Aparicio, he's, he's the heartbeat. He felt like he was Pacific FC last year. And I mean, that's how he was able to get MVP votes when he's, he's you know, someone played such limited minutes. You don't often see that. And, but the numbers reflect it. They were, you know, Pacific were an elite team when he was playing. And pretty much when without him, it's, you know, it's a team that's at the bottom of the, the, the table in terms of points per game. And I think that the difference with Aparicio, it's, it's fascinating because it wasn't necessarily numbers last year. It wasn't the goals. It wasn't the assists. It wasn't you know, outstanding couple goals, couple assists, but it's just when you watch him play, he does everything. Like, yeah, he can pass a ball. He can strike a ball like no one else, but there aren't many skilled number tens like him who are tracking back to your left back to fill in for him and making a slide tackle and, you know, and just covering every inch of ground. And he has the work rate of a number six or, a, you know, even a fullback, even though he's a number 10. And I think that goes a long way because sometimes skilled players, not that they don't like to defend that they won't, but they're almost like, ah, I score enough goals where I can get away with missing a tackle Manny Aparicio was not missing many tackles, not missing many defensive assignments. It's a great point. His work rate off the ball is really something that people don't talk about enough. Talk about skill number 10s. On December the 18th, when Lionel Messi lifted the World Cup, um, Manny Aparicio was back home in Argentina in Buenos Aires celebrating with the locals. That was a pretty good story as well for him in the offseason. Question three for you, AGR. 28 goals in 18 games last year uh, for the team when Alejandro Diaz was there. That is 1.5 goals per game. When he left, as we mentioned, they struggled to score. They got eight in the last 10 without him, uh, dipping their goals per game average to less than one. 
How crucial can the signing of Easton and Garo be? Is he different to Diaz? And how big is it that they've got him in? The Ongaro signing is, is huge. It was kind of one where you saw it when it happened. You're like, okay, this is what Pacific were, were screaming out for last year because, look, the Diaz departure hurt because Diaz was so good, but it also hurt because it felt like Pacific was just so catered to Diaz. All the, the crosses were just were, were, were suited to the way he, he made those late runs into the box and those low low crosses. How many times did we see Diaz wide open at the back post making the those runs? And you look at the rest of the roster, you know, someone like Marco Bustos, he was creating a lot, but he wasn't getting that sort of goal-scoring threat we're used to seeing. Josh Hurd had a few goals in him, but even when, you know, Diaz left, teams were like, okay, we can focus a little more on, on Josh Hurd, who almost benefited from Diaz. And I think that was the big thing about his departure. And I think in a guy like Ongaro, they can have a focal point again that won't only just score a lot of goals. I mean, we've seen what Ongaro's done, 25 goals in his CPL career on an Edmonton team that wasn't always great at generating for, for him. He he did have to to work hard and grind and, and go get those those goals himself. But he's also going to open up a lot of space. I mean, anytime a six foot seven striker is lurking in the box, teams are going to pay extra attention. They might double up on him. And if you're Aparicio, if you're Hurd, if you're all these new striker, you know these forwards they've signed, Kakuta Mane, Adonijah Reed, like they're going to be looking like, okay, I'm not, I'm going to be love being able to feed Easton Ungaro, but I'm also going to love the space that a guy like Easton Ungaro can provide with that height. And obviously, we know he can score at his feet. He can do other things too that someone of his height might not uh, be expected to do. You mentioned a lot of their signings. I'll get to that in a second. There's some exciting names that you just mentioned. Finally, before we get there, question four. Jamar Dixon's retired. Callum Irvin's gone to Vancouver. Marco Bustos has gone to Europe. Abdul Samaki's left. Jordan Haynes has left players that won the, the, the title in 2021. They've all departed. Should we expect growing pains while new leaders are formed now with this team? I mean, for sure, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it's one for Pacific they should avoid just because they've planned for this. I think the nice mm -hmm. thing has been with them really since year two. They've been a team that's not been shy with play the kids. How many times do you hear that out of the island? And that's kind of stretched all, all aspects. I mean, Pamaduka came in, was a great coach, and he left. He got an opportunity elsewhere. While James Merriman, who'd been with the club since year one, steps up and he's just filled in seamlessly and you look across the roster how many you know Caden Chung Lucas McNaughton you can go on all these players that have had this these opportunities uh to move on and they've just been okay we're ready we have the next man up and I think you can see that with the transition yeah you lose your Bustoses you lose your Dixons you lose your Irvings but you know you look across the roster as Aparicio's heading into his third season he's definitely going to play a huge leadership role Josh Hurd's the new captain that's obviously a big you know decision because he's a very key leader very emotional uh, you know, spark in games. You look at some of these other players that have been there for a while now. Amir Didich, uh, second season. He was always a leader at FC Edmonton. Thomas Mergegur, he's kind of slept around. We always forget that he's there. He's also wore the armband a few times. I think they've done well to kind of plan a natural succession for every time that guys leave. There, There's guys already replacements. Yeah, that's a great point. And Merriman goes into his second year now, so the honeymoon's over, and I think he'd be better for it, more experience heading into that second year. Um, they have had a bit of a turnover. You mentioned some of them. Some of these players have come in. I've had a chance to chat with all of them. Really exciting. And as, as I said earlier, go to campio.ca for the full list. Ten new signings of them. Who excites you the most? For sure. And I mean, as you know, KJ, it's always tough to keep – just a list to, to when there's so many just to, to one. So I'll, I'll do three. I'll, I'll limit myself to three and one okay. kind of from each area of the pitch. Up front, I, I'm liking Adonijah Reed because, yes, Kakuta Mane is going to steal all the headlines. Obviously, huge pedigree. But Reed's someone who's caught my eye a bit in the USL. I keep seeing his name pop up. He'd scored a fair amount of goals. Canadian. 
uh, you know, winger, you're kind of intrigued by that. So I think that profile of a, a goal scoring winger, we mentioned Pacific, a lot of it was Diaz heavy last year. That's good to have that sort of profile, you know, on Garo, Reed, if, if Aparicio can get a few more goals, all of a sudden you're getting a few more, uh, you know, goals from other sources should, you know, on Garo maybe start off slow or should injuries happen. That's huge. Then at the back, there was one that I was very intrigued about because Nathan Mavila left and then they signed Bradley Vliet. That was a very, very, very underrated signing because every time I watched Calvary last year, Vliet was always one of the top three, top five players. He's just such a solid all around left back. And I think sometimes those kinds of players go underappreciated. So I thought that was a very good coup that should help stabilize an already great backline. I mean, you look Kunle Dadaluk, Amir Didic, Tama Mirjagir. Now you put Vliet into that fantastic back four. And then the last one, and I think I'm going to, uh, you know, the most important is Pierre Lamoth. Like, cause I think he's someone at Halifax who really sh- had these moments of a brilliance, but didn't maybe get to, to shine in that six role because Andrea Ramper says there, you look at Jamar Dixon leaving, He's someone who could really slot in that Pacific number six role, maybe free up a guy like Sean Young to go a little more box to box because he, he projects more as an eight. It frees up Aparicio, of course, to do his thing. I feel like someone like Lamoth sliding in and, and just getting a chance to show the skills as an all around number six. I really like what that move could do in the midfield as well. Very interesting, AG. I will let you go and you can uh, call Benedict during your break here because he uh, he takes applications for the PL Moth uh, supporters group. He runs it. So he's a massive fan of him as well. So I'll let you guys go bond over that in the background. And in the meantime, thanks, AGR. In the meantime, as I said, Charlie O'Connor Clark's been traveling across the country talking to some key players. And there's no more of a key player on the island than Manny Aparicio. Need him to find some more magic today. A nice interchange with Bustos. The header off the post and in from Manny Aparicio. The biggest thing is just building on that chemistry, building on what we've build, been building on the last couple seasons. Uh, and I think a lot of guys know, you know, the type of club they're coming into and, and the environment and the way we've built in the offseason I think is very good. It's, it's players that kind of fit the system we've been playing in the past as well. Um, so, you know, I think we're definitely contenders. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a long season and, and with our intensity and our drive that we have, I think we're definitely contenders. What is that sort of, that sort of culture that you see yourself being kind of one of the, the leadership guys on this team? What sort of is that? How do you describe it? Yeah, I think, you know, our mentality, like you've said in the last three years, is just, you know, trying to be a winning team, be a winning uh, club. What, what established us is being this kind of, you know, tight-knit, island pride uh, community uh, team that, you know, we tried to to make our fans proud in the way of, as I see here in the island, it's a lot of blue-collar people. Uh, and, and that's how kind of how we try to, to put on the pitch, you know, leaving everything out there and, and you know, one match after the next we're always you know trying to run teams off the park and then the football speaks for itself as well you know we got great quality as well but if the work ethic is there first then you know good things will come top of the box shot to his left foot strikes it and it's a goal for ottawa the way the season kind of ended um that must have been sort of frustrating for you guys kind of not really being able to to finish those chances or get those final balls against Ottawa in that playoff series, right? I think the first 10 games we were doing very, very well. Um, and then, you know, we also had Canadian Championship and CONCACAF, which we tried to, to put a lot into that and getting through rounds there. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, you know, I think against Ottawa, we 
We definitely messed up at home, you know, uh, losing at home is, is never a good thing because it's home and away leg and, you know, they always had the advantage there. But even then, I think we had a great response going into that second leg. He started the season unbelievably, you know, looked like a like MVP caliber sort of football and your knee and then you come back and your red card immediately and you come back another one and it just like, it must have been frustrating to not really be able to get going until the very end there. It was just a tough, you know, turn of events for me and with my injury, all my energy and frustration built up in that first game, you know, red card and then again, you know, three, four games later. Um, but yeah, it, it was a kind of stop start. It was a lot of learning, you know, off the pitch for myself, you know, watching the team and what, what things I could work on myself. Um, and hopefully, you know, that's it's just something that I that I improve on and, and take on from here on in. But you're, you're always going to be an energy guy, right? That's yeah, like exactly. That's me. I mean, I'm going to be out there and I'm still going to give 100% and, 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 and play my game. Uh, just maybe be a little bit more cautious at times. <laughs> what are you guys kind of feeling about you know, having that opening game, having the brand new team come into your turf and it obviously sort of island mainland rivalry. It's got to be a, a one that you're looking forward to, right? I think it's something beautiful that we can build you know, in Canadian football and try to have those rivalries and those com competitions apart from the regular season or the playoffs and stuff like that. It's, it's a great opportunity to have come host them for first game. It, you know, welcome them to, to the league, maybe hopefully by beating them, but you know, yeah. welcome them in. Find uh, the first game on the island between Vancouver FC and Pacific Coast Saturday night, four o'clock local time, seven o'clock Eastern. As usual, all Canadian Premier League games this season can be broadcast and can be seen on one soccer. We are halfway through the CPL newsroom presented by Volkswagen. Four teams down. Four teams to go. We'll bring our friend Benedict Rhodes back in as we get set to preview Valor FC, one of the most changed teams in the offseason, Benny. Um, I suppose some necessary changes. Uh, there was also some high-profile departures, among them 2022 leading goal scorer Moses Dyer, Canadian Under-21 Player of the Year and CPL single-season assist record setter Sean Rea, 2021 goalkeeper of the year Jonathan Siwa, highly touted fullback Brett Levi's co-captain Daryl Fordyce. Could go on and on, but of that list... Who do you think they'll miss the most? Uh, I'm going to go for someone who I think, I think we kind of expected Sean Ray and Jonathan Sierra to, to leave, you know, going back to CF Montreal. So I'm going to go with uh, Moses Dyer. I think, I think they maybe haven't replaced him, someone of the same caliber up top. We'll have to see how, how some of the strikers you know, shape up. But uh, you know, Moses Dyer was someone who was, you know, hard worker. He dropped back into midfield. He, he could play on the sides as well sometimes. And, and up top, you know, he was, he was the guy at Valor. And, and I think they're going to be missing that quite a bit this season. Around Labor Day last year, Valor were in the playoffs. They were in the four. They were in the top four. They just beaten Forge in back-to-back -back games. They ended up faltering down the stretch. The stretch finished fifth uh, with thirty-seven points, ten wins, seven draws, eleven losses. Which stat from twenty twenty-two is the most alarming and needs to be corrected immediately, Benny? Uh, is it the fact that they dropped twenty-two points from winning positions, or is it the fact that they scored more than one goal in just seven of twenty-eight games? Uh, both are alarming, but I'm going to go for the dropping 22 points. I think you know th those 22 points would have them you know, comfortably in first place <laughs> if they if they got all of them. Um, obviously, you can't expect them to get all of them, but you know if they had maybe five more, I think, or something, they would have been in that fourth spot in the playoffs. So, um, and some of those points were really late in games too. Like I remember one game against Edmonton where it was the 94th minute or something, and and Akio, you know, saves 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 them a point, but they they easily could have dropped more and and. Um, consistency and, and and keeping hold of the points that they have, you know, in, in the bank are, 
or something that definitely needs to improve this season. Yeah, we mentioned some of the players there in total, 15 departees. So a lot of new signings of that list. And again, a reminder, that's on campiel.ca. Of the new signings, who excites you the most to make an impact, Benny? Yeah, there's a few people. I think one of the ones that will be the most important anyway is Abdu Samake at center back. I think, you know, defensive stability is something, you know, that can help prevent dropping points late in the games. And and uh, he provides some stability. He's a, he's a CPL champion. Um, I think he'll be a big addition to their back line and, and whoever, whoever he plays against, I think will, will benefit from having someone of his uh, stability. Yeah, that's a good shout. Obviously, Jordan Haynes, who won the title with him in 2021, is also the Pacific Neon Gambare is a player that I look out for as well. Had a great offseason, already scoring goals with his national team. Question four, is it fair to say only now that this really is a squad made by Philip DeSantos? Uh, obviously, he came in at the end of 2021. Then 2022, he kind of inherited the squad. Now, is it really fair to say that this is his squad? And if so, what, what should we expect from Phil and this team in 2023? What are realistic expectations? Yeah, I think it is fair to say that it's his team now. Like he said, 15 players have left and, and 15 have come in. So he's had a chance to really make a mark on this team and, and do things his own way and, and recruit himself. So I think that's definitely his team now. And uh, realistic expectations, I, I don't know if they're going to be challenging, you know, the Forges and, and Calvaries and for, for those, those sort of top top couple spots. But, you know, I, I can't see why they can't finish in, in, in fourth or fifth and, and challenge for those spots. But, um, yeah, like the like, – uh, the, the, Bottom four or five is going to be pretty tight this year, I think. There's a lot of teams who can, can challenge, and I don't see a reason why Valor can't be one of them. A reminder, five teams make the playoffs this year, although that is a gauntlet for the team that finished fifth, which is where Valor will be if the standings are the same of last season. A quick start for them away at York on Sunday, and then, of course, to TSS Rovers in the Canadian Championship. What a thrilling game that's going to be as well. Um, young Canadians continue to thrive and shine in the Canadian Premier League with opportunities to go elsewhere. One of those players could be Matteo Di Brienne, signed at the start of last season. Um, didn't get a chance to start many games. In fact, he didn't start any of the first 14 games. But after that, was almost a shoe-in to start every game. And, a squad, and of course, scored one of the goals of the season against Forge with that left-footed volley. Um, can he be a force in 2023? And if so, what do you like about his game, Benny? Yeah, I, I do think he could be a force. I think you know, this could be his year to have an even more breakout season than did last year. Um, like you said, second half of the season, he was he was one of the better attackers in this league. He he had some some very special moments. You've seen his his bicycle kick goal against Forge many times and played many times on our, our socials and stuff. So um, he's he's a player capable of a moment of magic, and uh, I think you know he's, he's a speedy player. He can he can get him behind and he can do a lot of things that Valor really need. And I think uh, yeah, it could be a very good season for him. Yeah, very astute signing, a versatile player who can play anywhere down the left, can also play further forward as well. A really good player, but more importantly, a really good kid. Benny, we really appreciate you. We'll get you back on the show at the end of the show for our predictions. In the meantime, let's hear a little bit more from the aforementioned Matteo Debrian. Ponte calling for it, stays with Rea. Rea deeper than the 18. It's a good cross, Debrian! It's like my body took over, you know. Sean's got incredible quality and, you know, the ball that he managed to whip in was, you know, sensational. And it was just a matter of, like, I, I caught Rama off guard and then all of a sudden my body took over, my foot's over my head and, you know, I scored a, a pretty nice goal, but, you know, all credit to, to the team's build-up on that, mm. so. And then you did a flip. A front flip for Mateo! Yeah, my mom's never too happy when I do that. She's always worried I'm going to get hurt, but, you know, it's the adrenaline going through my blood and I was just so excited. That week where you guys beat Forge twice in a row at home, the, the belief must have been really strong at that point, right? It was incredible, honestly, to uh, 
you know, be able to do that twice in front of our fans as well and, you know, see everybody come out to support us. It was probably one of the most entertaining weekends to, to be involved in, for sure. Bauer with a chance here, following up, and it's into the back of the net. It's off the foot of Matteo Gibrian. Tell me a bit more about what it was like for you last year, as you said, your first kind of full season as a professional. You sort of had to fight your way into the squad. You got kind of an opportunity and you just kind of had to, had to play well enough to stay in the squad, right? So it must have been you know, a, a huge experience for you to, to learn and develop, right? It was a journey for sure. I mean, you know, I, I knew coming into it, nothing was a given. And I'm one of those players, I don't like being given anything. I like making sure that I work for every opportunity. And so, you know, the fact that I tried to prove myself every single day and then I had, you know, the players and the coaching staff and everybody who had faith in me to give me that one opportunity to start a game. It just, you know, it, it builds confidence in not only me, I believe, in everyone else. And so from that point forward, I was just very positive and, you know, honored to, to get the opportunity to go to war with those guys in the starting 11. Rhea tries to navigate through a forest of defenders and what a strike! When you see guys that you you know were stood next to in the dressing room now doing that on on a an MLS stage how kind of motivating and, and sort of inspirational is that for guys like you that you know you can get to that next level maybe it's honestly it's incredible you know especially to share the locker room with them last year and the characters that they brought were you know very very big helps to the team and just to see them succeeding right now is just you know it, it's an honor to say that I've shared the pitch with them especially and you know I hope they they keep growing as much as they can and they can keep you know Went to the top of their game. And just tell me a little bit about what the, the general sort of atmosphere is around this group coming in. I mean, it's almost like a new team, but we have a lot of returning players. So, you know, it's just uh, about meeting a bunch of different characters. But so far, it's been, uh, you know, a great enjoyment. Have you got any sort of a sense of, you know, guys starting to, to sort of fit in or a sense of what kind of players are coming in here? I mean, you know, we, we have a whole different variety of players around here, but I think, you know, through every day of training, players are showing themselves, and I think, you know, once we get our first opportunity to, you know, show it in front of the fans and everything like that, I think, you know, a lot of characters will come out, so we're excited to show that. Thanks to Matteo. Still only 20, of course, from Ottawa, the former Carlton Raven as well. Um, let's bring in Charlie O'Connor-Clark now as we move on to the team that finished sixth last season in York United. And Charlie, when you think about this team and where they finished last season, sometimes we have to recheck the standings because at one point you're thinking, they finished sixth. I know for the first yeah. half of the season, they were probably probably eight out of eight. But from the second half on, they were more than good enough to be a playoff team. That's how good they were. They had a fantastic run, obviously ignited by Mo Babuli as well in terms of their overall season. So it's probably a tale of two seasons within one. Um, officially, 17 players have departed, but only really half of those, of those players played. So it hasn't been as much turnover as you would particularly expect, seeing that some of that turnover took place at the back end of, 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 of last season. So has this been an off-season that you've been impressed with from York? Yeah, I think it has. I think that this off-season has kind of been a bit of a shift in maybe ambition for, for the club on the pitch. I know one, one thing that sticks out is uh, there's a lot more experience. You know, the CPL experience here that we'll get into in a second, but the average age is like, three and a half years older than it was last year. I think they're at 25.3 now. So I think very much this team saw what it could do at the end of last season and has set itself up to win, right? They are obviously ambitious, as we spoke about in the last half of the season after Mobabuli obviously got there, uh, who we'll get to as well. 
they were the hottest team in the league. I think in many senses, they went to Tim Hortons field and I think they outplayed forge more than any other CPL team did last year. I would say in that game, um, again, obviously there were many issues with this, with the, uh, with the, you know, first half of the season, they did have to, to get a lot of their goal scoring from really one or two players, even towards the end of the year. But I think there's a lot to like about what they had in place last year and what they've complemented that with uh, some of the players that have shipped out. They've either addressed with you know similar replacements or they've tried to improve on. Uh, and I think that there's a couple a couple spots in the squad that I think we'll still have to maybe wait and see how uh, how some of the newcomers actually fit in because they're a little bit of unknown quantities. But you've got you know players with good pedigrees, Lasana Fay coming from the Netherlands, Brem mm-hmm. Samaro as well, who's you know played international football for Liberia. So I think that there is a lot to like in what was already in place and just how they've sort of geared this team this year towards getting back into the playoffs. Yeah, not that, not, not that long ago, Lasana Fe was playing in the Europa League uh, against yeah. Lazio and Stadio Olimpico, by the way, for Vitesse. You know, one thing about this league that I love in the offseason as we continue to develop going forward is that there's been players moving within the league to different clubs. Now, that's mm-hmm. only started to really start to happen as the league continues to evolve, but that happens all over the world. Um, and I think I counted now we're to 25 players this season who've stayed in the league but moved to CPL clubs. Now, some of the new signings that York have done this season have included CPL experience. Um, I think, obviously, Jonathan Grant, Elijah Adekubi, Brian Wright, Jeremy Gagnon, Lapare. And I think that's really important for them this year. Of those, um, who do you think is the most important one and why? Uh, for me, it's it's pretty comfortably Jeremy Gagnon Lapare, who was really, really... I don't even know if he was underrated in Halifax because we talked about him a lot, but he was found fantastic in that midfield for them last year. He's a versatile player. He can go box to box. He can pick out a pass, especially with that left foot, to pretty much anywhere on the pitch. And this year he'll be... Uh, no, no disrespect, but he'll be sending these passes to a, an attack that's maybe been more effective recently right in some of the players at york Uh, so i think that that's really an important player they're able to bring in especially to replace some of the midfielders they've lost they lost Mm -hmm. noah verhoven they lost isaiah johnston jordan wilson who played a lot of center back last year but still was in midfield a lot um so i think that that's probably the biggest one obviously brian wright has a pretty good track record of scoring elijah atakubi has a very high ceiling if he can be fit and he can get in that midfield constantly but i think for me that's that's probably the biggest one now you guys know jordan wilson's our friend here friend of the show now doing fantastic work at one soccer and um he wouldn't mind if i don't say his name here so um of the players that they've uh that, that they've lost um, who is the biggest miss and why is it clearly dominic zator yeah i don't think it's close right, right. i mean dominic zator is is one of where was one of the best defenders in the league last year it has been for four years and that's why he's rightly so gone to Poland that he's killing it over there as well as I think we could have expected Um, exactly exactly and we're very happy for him but York are going to miss him a lot uh you look at I think the back depth is maybe my biggest concern with this club Mm -hmm. this year obviously Roger Thompson is, is uh the only player that's been around since day one here. Uh, but he has struggled to stay healthy every season, especially last year. He missed a lot of time. Uh, you know, you've, you've brought in Brem Sumaro, who I guess is an unknown quantity at this level, has pretty good pedigree and experience, but you just never know when you bring in international players. York have not always gotten their international signings right, I think. We've, we've certainly seen that in the past. 
so I think the back, the center backs especially are where I'd be most concerned because they don't have a like for like replacement for Dom Zator really in any means. Not that there is one that exists uh, easily to get in the CPL, but I, I do think that that's maybe the biggest biggest concern I'd have with this offseason for York. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Maybe they have to outscore teams more next season uh, than they did last year. Obviously, they didn't concede many, but they couldn't score as much. But this year, now Mobabuli is in for a full season. He's almost like a new signing. 17 mm-hmm. points gained from eight games he played in last season. Um, and 10 of their 11 points they gained from losing positions came with him on the pitch. That's how much of a difference maker he was. What makes him such a front runner for player of the year candidate this year? I think the first thing that stands out to me and the thing that other players will say to you all the time is that he makes the other players around him a lot better. And we certainly saw how that helped Ozzy Di Rosario for one. Uh, But you can see that he can get the ball out of difficult spaces so easily with his footwork. He just sees things on the pitch that maybe a lot of other players at this level won't. Uh, And and he'll be able to create stuff and put balls into spaces that maybe a, a winger wasn't even expecting. And the other thing is, because he's such a high profile part of this team and, and everybody knows that he's kind of the main man in attack, he makes so much more space for the other players. We saw this, especially when they played Forge last year, that Moba Bully, who played a lot of these central channels, would attract a, a six or a center back to follow him mostly for the game. And that left a lot of space either out wide or it would leave a channel for Di Rosario or another attacker to run into. And I think that that really was maybe the underrated value of of Babuli is even if he's not getting the goal or the assist, he's probably involved somehow because there's a defender or a, a midfielder who was out of position because they're too closely marking him. Mm. And I think that that's, that's a, a big part of it. But again, some of the stuff that he can do with his footwork, the, the stories I hear from training of him, just trying things, uh, just little, little tricks and stuff because he, he seems to be enjoying his football a lot now, which is, is good for him. Um, he, he's definitely one of the most talented players that this league has. Yeah, what a difference maker York has. Okay, uh, in less than 45 seconds, the question five, you sat down with Azazi Di Rosario before we hear from him on himself. What do you admire the most about the man now known as Di I'm impressed with just how much workload he's able to carry, right? He did that a lot last year. And as a, you know, in, in really his first full professional season, he played almost every game for York, went through maybe a, a down period, but uh, found his feet again. And he's just so confident uh, with those, those one-touch finishes, which are really the best way to score in this league. So I think that's what makes him so important and so special at that position. That's a really good point. And by the way, he was uh, one very narrow offside call last year in Ottawa, the last game of the season, from tying Alejandro Diaz for the golden boot. And boy, did he want people to know it. Um, Charlie, thanks again. Uh, we'll let you go work on your predictions for the end of the show. We appreciate you as ever. Uh, as Charlie goes away, let's hear from the man known as Azazi Di Rosario, a man now, as a young boy, used to support his dad on the on the on the stands of Houston in Houston and Toronto, and now he's now he's making a name for himself, of course, with the name Di Rosario back in Canadian soccer. Di Rosario, yeah, that's definitely uh, my my you know my top goal that I want to achieve this year is to be the top goal scorer. You know, score on a more consistent basis and have more goals than I had last year and this year. So. For sure, going into this to this season, I'm definitely looking, you know, to make a mark again. Clever pass from Mobile for Hooven for Di Rosario! Another rocket from Osaze! You uh, 
sort of started to, to build a pretty special partnership with Mopabuli towards the end of last year. What kind of a sense do you have of, of you know, what it's like to play with a guy like that? Well, he's a, he's a creator. He, he makes things up on the pitch and, you know, he's able to get ball, get the ball in, you know, pockets of the pitch and create something. So it takes, you know, you know, when you're playing against a team, it, it almost like you have, they have to worry about two guys, you know, because both these guys can put the ball in the back of the net. So it becomes easier for me and him. I think that's what the relationship that we have that we make it easier on each other because you know we both have quality and it's you know we break teams down in a in a positive way towards goal. Johnston through a third, a slip pass and a finish. Oh, Sase Di Rosario. What do you kind of look back uh, with looking at last year? What do you think about sort of the, the journey you had from the start of that year to the end? Um. I just take it and it was a great year and I take it for a great year so you know I'm, I'm happy for myself to you know to prove myself and to prove everybody you know my, uh, my quality and you know I, it was a learning year as well there's a lot of things I should have done better it wasn't like everything I did was perfect but it was definitely I took the, the highs and I took the lows and I always learned from from what happened last year. What other sort of goals do you have for yourself this year other than you know, scoring plenty of them? What sort of goals do you have for yourself in terms of, you know, your own development and, and improvement as a player? Um, I definitely want to get some more left foot goals <laughs> and more left foot, uh, improve my left foot up more and, you know, get, get in positions, you know, be more active as a striker, be more dangerous and behind and defensively for my team, want to be more of a, you know, a threat defensively even, you know, so, so I can win the ball higher up the pitch and get more, you know, win the ball in more threatening positions higher up the field and just lastly you know how good do you feel like this team can be this year it was we obviously saw, saw some uh, some really positive signs at the end of last year do you feel like this team is maybe maybe underratedly could be a contender here I mean yeah it's definitely underratedly is the contender that that and I think everybody on my team we all know our goal for the under gear is to win and you know I have as much faith as possible as the team I'm in to win the chip. Here first, as Zaze says, they are the contenders, the underrated contenders in the CPL York United. And as the chat continues to light up, you're right, Babuli and Dero, uh, as many people predicting, uh, two of the favorites for the Golden Boot and the Player of the Year this year, no doubt about it. So if they're on the pitch together, York are going to be a force. Get out and watch them. And their games obviously start this Sunday against Valor FC, uh, live from York Lions Stadium at 2 o'clock on Sunday, and of course live on One Soccer. Uh, let's bring in our next guy, uh, next correspondent, Mitchell Tierney, and he's got a very difficult task because he's the correspondent in this show for Halifax Wanderers, Mitch, and I mean that pleasantly because they might be the most difficult team to analyze going in, and that might be a good thing. Um, you know, five questions in five minutes. Let's get right to it. 15 players gone, only eight returned. Was that the right amount of turnover, do you think, considering their past failures and the arrival of a new coach? I think so. I mean, something had to give after a year, you know, where they missed the playoffs by 17 points, score a league low 24 goals. And turns out almost everything gave, um, you know, the problems have been the, the same for, for basically the entire history of this club. You know, they haven't scored many goals. They haven't been very good away from the Wanderers grounds. So uh, the fact that they, you know, weren't even good at the Wanderers grounds last year, I think they had to really change something and shift something. And you could tell the frustration was starting to, to build up from uh, the fans as well, who have been so incredible in supporting them. So 
no, I don't think it's a, it's a surprise that there was an incredible amount of turnover from that club. Let's talk about the gaffer. Patrice guys has arrived from Vaughan, clear identity of attacking football. We talk a lot on this show in Canadian soccer now these days about that ladder system for players progressing, Mitch. But here's an example, surely, for coaches. Uh, is he the right guy now to be the pathway as a pioneer to go up from League One into the CPL? I think so. I mean, the results speak for themselves in, in League One Ontario. And obviously, you know, showing that he's the coach of the year, winning the league last year, um, that speaks for itself. And, um, you know, he, he was able to bring a number of his players with him too, which which I like in terms of, you know, continuing his culture. And who knows how much they play with, with Halifax, but at least, you know, he has some guys he's familiar with. And, you know, borrowing a point from uh, one soccer's uh, Ollie Platt, you know, there's kind of that connection there. Bobby has that connection. Uh, Bobby Smirniotis of Forge, of course, has has a connection to Sigma. Um, you know, Tommy out, out West has that connection to Calgary Foothills. There's that Bonazuri connection here too, where, you know, maybe there's an area there where this is a well-respected coach in Ontario. He'll start to be able to recruit players, um, which has always been a bit of a, a difficulty for Halifax, um, you know, which if you ever go to a match there, you, you won't understand because it's an incredible atmosphere and probably... The, the best game-for-game uh, game experience in the CPL. But, um, yeah, I think that that's another thing that he adds. So there's genuinely a lot to like. And one last thing is, you know, talking to people in Halifax, um, he's someone who seems to want to be involved in every aspect of the mm -hmm. club. You know, he's giving the graphics department projects to work on that, that he wants to in terms of hype videos for the club. Um, he's having, you know, these super fun um, you know, get to know you nights with the players that they're all really embracing. So there's a new culture there. And I think uh, Geyser is the, the leader of that. Fantastic. And uh, fitting that you brought up Ollie Platt on a Halifax Wanderers chat. I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they scored 52 goals in 56 games the past two seasons. 40 of those games, they scored one goal or less. It has not been great as an attacking unit. Where can the goals come from in 2023? Well, it won't be Ollie Platt, but it might be Thiago Coimbra, who just scored four in a preseason match. So, you know, you don't want to put too much pressure on an 18-year-old, but that's obviously exciting. You know, they have a number of players, you know, Massimo Farron, uh, Kosi Nuasfarso, who scored um, at the League One Ontario. You know, Teo Colomb, who's who scored a lot at the collegiate level. Ludwig Amla scored at PLSQ. Um, so they have a lot of those guys who have scored at, at different levels, but, you know, there's only two returning goals this year or two goals from returning players this year. So not a lot of guys who um, have scored at the CPL level. So that will be interesting. But I, I think it's a number of those guys. I think it's by committee. But I do think that there's more guys on this team who are at least goal dangerous than there were last year. So there's a number of options. Well, when you don't score many and you tear two-thirds of the team up, I'm surprised they've got any goals coming back. So I appreciate that stat. Uh, question four, they won five of 38 away games in their history in CPL. But the home form really dipped in 2022. Now, the honeymoon, the honeymoon period is over. So I think this is a really important year for Halifax, again, to reignite with their fans attacking football. Um, is this the year to do that and get that home form back so they can contend for the playoffs? Absolutely. And I think the biggest stat that needs to change even before wins, loss, draw, they had eight open play goals at home last year in 14 matches. Like, wow. that's not good enough. That's not enough for those incredible fans to cheer for in terms of those games. So... You know, this is the easiest way, I think, for Halifax to, to get themselves back into contention because they have so many built-in advantages, be it that aforementioned crowd, be it the grass pitch, you know, the, the travel that other teams have to do to come out to Halifax. Um, this really should be a place where they're winning consistently. And, you know, I think that that will be part of the goal for, for 2023. But I think the biggest goal is to give those fans more to cheer about and a more exciting um, brand of soccer at home.
Uh, okay, question five, quick one. Of the eight returnees, who do you expect to, to feature a lot and make the biggest impact? Um, I think there's a number of, of them who you can go through. I think you have to mention Andre Rampersad, you know, the, the Trinidad and Tobago international, the captain, but one guy um, who I want to key in on is Christian Campania, you know, maybe the, the mobile of defenders, if you want to use that term in terms of, you know, started just six matches, but won almost 30 duels, had 15 interceptions and Halifax allowed just five goals in, in those six matches. So this is a guy who, if he can extrapolate those numbers over the course of, of a season, you know, that changes everything for, for Halifax. And uh, so that's a player I'm really excited to see what he can do, um, you know, now with a, a preseason ahead of him. Love that shout, Christian Campagna. One player who was invited by John Herbman to the Gold Cup camp to be an extra player, not to be a squad member, to be an extra player to help that defensive cover. Uh, and obviously former Whitecaps player and Whitecaps FC2 captain last season. So uh, a real leader at Halifax. Uh, Mitch, we appreciate this. We'll get you back on for predictions. Thanks for your time. Um, one other player who's one of those eight returnees is a key player as well, and that is Aiden Daniels. Here he is looking back on 2022 and ahead for 2023. Sits up pretty well for Daniel. Still with some work to do. Second touch through the legs of Irving, and it's a second for Halifax. It's Aiden Daniels. I think one of the main goals is, is making the grounds a fortress again, um, and that, that comes with being ruthless in both boxes. Um, keeping the zero as many games as we can uh, is going to be a big key to, to keeping our fans engaged and obviously scoring goals, which we struggled with last year. Um, and I think the, the fan base here is the best in the league. Rain, sunshine, snow, whatever. Um, they're there in numbers and I think that in order for them to, to feel rewarded, we need to win games and, and keep zeros. What has it been like in these first kind of first impressions of working under Patrice? How different is it from last year? Yeah, so I mean, I've known Patrice for almost 10 years now, maybe a bit, a bit longer just playing against them back in Ontario. Um, but yeah, first impressions, I mean, Patrice has always been a good coach. He's always won everywhere he's coached at. Um, and yeah, I just just think like it's a new a new face of the club coming in. And I think that um, with Patrice's intensity, passion, and just dedication to, to getting us better every single day is, is going to propel us to do better. Every action that you make, he's, he's commentating on it. Like if you take a bad touch, it's let's go wait in. It needs to be better. A five-yard pass that isn't firm enough. Let's go eight in. It needs to be stronger. Like just stuff like that. I think he's very engaged and on top of everyone. Right to the top of the box, Daniels. What a strike from Aiden Daniels. All in all, it's just it just comes down to work rate and, and getting in positions and being clinical. You know, like uh, you see it at the top levels. Guys get two chances, they score both or one, and they win the game one nothing. You know what I mean? And it took us a lot of chances just to get one goal. But I think this year, uh, me playing more of a, a number 10 role and, and just being that attacking mid player that I am, um, Patrice has given me the, the license and, and not freedom, but more of a role to, to impact the game in the final third rather than dropping deeper and, and trying to get out of pressure when we were getting pressed. I can play anywhere in the midfield or even left wing um, as we saw some games last year, but. Yeah, number 10, just because um, I feel like my best quality is, is turning and driving at the defenders, finding final passes. What kind of sense do you have of, of how this sort of this sort of attacking system might come together? What kind of relationship are you building with some of these guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, just just from day one, it's been about playing football. Um, I can count on, my, on one hand how many long balls we've hit so far in, tra in training. What did you kind of take away from that campaign? Now that we're a, a few months 
after that season? What do you kind of look back at it? With? Yeah, so definitely was a frustrating year as you as you touched on, but um, you know after an off season of reflection, uh, you know you just you gotta put it behind you because the past is the past, and you can only impact your future. Do you feel you know a bit of a, a responsibility to be? maybe a, a bit of a, a leader in that group and, and make sure that guys are, are able to settle in when they're, they're coming to a new team? Yeah, I think that, I think I'd put um, that on my shoulders a bit just to, to be a leader and I'm, I'm not the vocal kind that's gonna, you know, uh, scream and shout and, you know, get the guys hoorah, but, you know, I, I try to lead by example um, with my performances and, and just my work rate. to the CPL Newsroom presented by Volkswagen 2023 season preview show Christian Jack here and it gives me great pleasure now to bring to get to the eighth team of the eight team previews and that is Vancouver FC and we bring back AGR again Alex to talk about Vancouver FC five questions in five minutes and as a West Coast guy and our West Coast correspondent the first question is pretty simple what excites you the most about the birth of Vancouver FC buddy? A lot. I mean, I guess as a, as a born and bred Vancouverite, obviously, sort of just team that, you know, I've been waiting for a long time just to have, you know, that, that local community club. Because, look, Vancouver historically has kind of been almost a soccer capital in Canada. At least you look back at the Whitecaps days, the 86ers, just the strong men's and women's national team players that have come here in the presence but over the last five ten years that's kind of fallen off a bit and you know you just look at the the, the white caps and how they, they haven't been able to capture uh, some of that success obviously some off the field issues hindering that and then you look you know on the national team level they're not producing as many players as they used to those sort of factors hurt so just have a local club in the backyard it, it means everything and I think you can see it, how they're slowly capturing attention one small detail I loved is that this preseason Vancouver FC didn't go to any or they didn't go anywhere but they went everywhere in Vancouver they were playing in Surrey Richmond last week they played in North Vancouver and I think that really helped just capture fans from all over the lower mainland like oh look there's a there's a local team that's here that wants to play local kids and, and just kind of capture some of that spirit back yeah fantastic now a lot of achievements will be measured away from the pitch and we fully understand that it's going to be a fantastic year of significance for them but on the pitch what would be a successful season for you yeah, I think in terms of what would be successful, I think one thing is playing just good soccer. I think that's, you know, clearly sign of intent with some of the signings, bringing in a coach like Ashvin Gottby, who will get to, you know, what that means. I think they obviously want to go out and entertain and play good soccer and get fans coming back. And like, okay, we like, you know, watching this because that, that hasn't always been the case. Maybe across, if you look at over at BC Place, that has been a complaint in the past with the Whitecaps. So that's one. And then in terms of success, I mean, the nice thing is about this playoff format is there's a chance to make it in as a fifth place team. It's tall ass being an expansion team. Look, go win the league, go finish top two, you know, something like that. But to come in as a fifth team, maybe have that sort of dark host, maybe you're able to finish the year strong. I think that would be a huge success on, you know, on the field that would show that they took an even bigger step than maybe expect if they're able to sneak their way and claw a, a fifth place finish. Yeah, I can't wait to see the busload of fans arrive on the island for the Derby game on Saturday yeah. afternoon. You mentioned Ashwin Gottby, his coach, team, his coach teams to titles in Iran, even on the bench at World Cups. What can he bring to this new club in his first year? That's huge. I think that was a huge, huge signing in terms of a head coach because that's experience. That's pedigree. I mean, you know, teams like Persepolis might not 
you know, be familiar to, to many, but that's a huge club. That's, you know, Champions League. That's just a, an absolute behemoth of a club. And the fact he coached there, he coached the Iran national team, some of the other coaching spots, that's a big hire because, you know, so far in the in the, the young history of the league, there's been a lot of younger managers, maybe managers who are coming, trying to make their, their name for themselves, maybe on the West Coast. Again, we mentioned earlier, like a Pamuduka, something like that. Someone like Ashvin Gott becomes, that's experience, that's pedigree. That's someone that you look, maybe if an MLS team made a move like this, but okay, that's a, an intriguing hire. And I think that's going to be huge for a young group, just to have someone who's won, who's been there, who has expectations, who has details. From what it sounds, that's been a very big point in their preseason, details, little things on and off the field. And I think that that's huge just to have that in year one, because when you're setting an expansion team, you're building everything from scratch. Little details matter. You might not realize it. Little things such as when you arrive to training, how you train, intensity, effort. And I think the fact that they got someone who will make sure none of those details are missed will go a long way. Has been big in recruitment too. Gail Sandoval, the big star from the Mexican league, who comes over, told me that he, you know, he came because of the coach. You know, he believed in the project that he that, that he sold him, and obviously with the resume that he's got. Question four for you, AGR. There are several players with CPL experience in this team. Obviously, Callum Irvin and Caden Chung won with Pacific in 2021. Um, former Halifax Wanderers and Cavalry midfielder Elliot Simmons. Um, I think about, you know, Vala Duo, Rocco Romeo, Sean Undal. Obviously, Edmonton last year, Gabriel Batar, Marcus Simmons, Mamadou Kane. Is that enough, do you think? Is it a good balance in this roster? I'd say it's close to enough. I'd say maybe the one thing, maybe you'd want just a tad bit more experience because I think if you're looking at expansion team, it does help to have maybe another player like a Callum Irving. But what I do like, there's, you know, first of all, two CPL champions. You know, you look back at Ottawa, say when they came in, they didn't really have that chance because it was Forge in year one. They weren't going to be giving away any of their their players to, to an expansion team. The fact that Vancouver is able to nab two, that's huge. And, uh, you know, some of those other plays are all very much in their prime. Like Elliot Simmons was someone I liked a lot at Cavalry. So I look at that. That's a good, that's a good move. Ditto with Rocco Romeo. So I think it's good. Maybe just, you know, a bit of experience would help for a young team. But for the most part, if you're getting guys who are in their prime, who are young, they, they can make up for this experience, especially in, you know, such a young league like the CPL. Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe a couple of experienced uh, players uh, lacking, but sometimes it's not about the experience in terms of numbers. It's what you can bring from the experience. And that brings me to the final question, and that's Callum Irvin. He's the biggest name on that list. What does he bring as a leader and a top goalkeeper? Maybe he makes up for not having the other roster spots where you need it because he brings so much. Yeah, I mean, he's the perfect experience, like you mentioned. I think he was one of the top goalkeepers in the CPL. I think by the advanced metrics, he saved a couple goals over the course of his three years with Pacific, which isn't easy. Usually that sent, tends to average uh, average out. So that's kind of a sign of how good he was. And Pacific's you know, defense hasn't always been stable in that time there. And he always was such a key leader, uh, you know, organized the back line on top of his talent. So it's not just him coming in being a good shot stopper. I think he'll someone that will keep that back line organized. Uh, we'll keep them together. And I like that's a huge attribute. And it's it's big because goalkeeping plays a big difference in this league. Typically teams that do well have good goalkeepers. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, Vancouver in the year one, we're like, okay, let's go get one of the best is going to go a long way. Just because sometimes when you're making rookie mistakes, mistakes where you're not familiar with your teammate, it's nice to turn around and you have Cal Irving there bailing you out than maybe say someone a little younger who's inexperienced as well and also growing. And I think that's going to give them a bit of an edge as, as they work through those mistakes that will inevitably happen as they get used to playing at the CPL level. Yeah, very well said. AJ, I appreciate it. We'll have you back on with the panel shortly for the predictions. Before that, though, let's hear from one, one of the most important signings and arguably the best signing so far in the offseason for them, his goalkeeper, Callum Irving. Curls one big stop from Irving. Preserves his clean sheet with 
the left hands. From day one, it's been impressive, uh, the standard that has kind of been set here. Obviously, it's never easy starting a club from scratch. Um, the people in charge have a lot of know-how in doing that, obviously. Um, but still, there's going to be so many roadblocks uh, in the way of trying to kind of, you know, progress on the day-to-day. -day. But I still think it's, it's amazing the standards that were set from day one. What's it been like sort of moving back home now, kind of representing a club called Vancouver? It's just, you know, representing your hometown. Yeah, it's exciting. It's, uh, it's, it's a bit surreal at times. Um, I think I've said this before, but every team that I've played for in the past, I've kind of had to um, immerse myself within the culture of the club or the community, um, and then you know find a way to, to bring that passion for, for representing that team. And I think I've managed to do that wherever I've played, but it's been different coming here. And from day one, there's Vancouver on my chest, you know, and I'm somebody that was really proud to have grown up here and played my youth football here and um, to be associated with Vancouver wherever I was playing and so um, there's an immense pride that um, I get every time I remember that that's who I'm representing. We've spoken a bit about Afshin already but what's it like playing for or training with a coach of his son, kind of caliber and resume? What is he like as a, a leader in this group? He, uh, he does everything. Um, I mean, his, his career speaks for itself, but when you see somebody that has the resume that he has out there on the pitch every single day, boots on the turf, uh, it, it definitely it sets a standard there where you think, uh, I can't take a day off if this guy's not taking a day off. He's hands-on in everything, um, and I think that that's really shown the group uh, that you can't have an ego around here. You know, No matter what you've done in the past or what you plan on doing in the future, um, you have to commit to being a part of this group and doing everything that it takes to be a professional and not just when you feel like it. Mm -hmm. He's hands-on and approachable, but sometimes he'll drop a story about meeting Pele. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, he has stories for days and uh, these aren't just regular stories uh, that you or I could tell. Um, these are stories that uh, bring football history into play and to hear that on a personal level is uh, pretty special at times, so uh, he's definitely somebody that if he wants to speak, he will definitely uh, listen. From your sort of early sense in training, do you get a kind of an idea of what this team can be, kind of what kind of quality this team could have and maybe be competitive in its first year? When I decided to come here, I came here with the idea that we would be competitive from day one. I didn't want to come here with every with people, you know, making excuses of we're a first year club. We're trying to build it up. Maybe in the next three years we'll be looking for success, but year one will be difficult. It's, for me, it was always, I understand year one will be difficult, but there's a lot you can do, um, and there's a lot that you can push through, and if you have the right culture and mentality kind of throughout the club, top to bottom, then I think the sky's the limit in this league. I can't explain it. I'm exhausted, but I feel great. It's been a tough year. Year one, game one, is that Pacific? Yeah. Um, You've already already spoken about this, but you know when you found out that your first game is, is heading over there to see those guys that you obviously played with for a while, how much are you looking forward to that day? I'm looking forward to it for so many different reasons. Um, first game of the season for this club, first game in, in the history for this club, I think that that's enough reason for me to be excited, um, and so I am. But naturally, you know, I think uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't looking forward to going back to somewhere that I used to play, seeing people that I used to play with, work with, um, and hopefully getting one up on them just like they would love to get one up on me. When you guys get to come back here to Langley and play that first home game, 
Uh, that'll be a special day, right, for you guys? Oh yeah, it's gonna be huge. Speaking on a personal level, for me to be able to be in front of family and friends in my my home city is is something that uh, I'm really, really looking forward to, and um, I'm gonna try my best to not take it for granted. Big thanks to Callum, one of the class acts in the CPL and a league full of them. And we thank all the players, particularly those who joined us today and, and will continue to join us throughout the season. I'll say this, it is an absolute privilege and a pleasure to cover these players in this league. Um, never met a bad player uh, off the pitch. They're all absolutely fantastic to deal with. All the clubs are as well. And I can't thank all the people who joined us this evening in the chat. Uh, lots of great questions and most of them surrounding predictions. Uh, so let's bring the panel back and uh, let's hear the, from, from them and get some of these crazy predictions that we won't remind them of at all uh, come in, in about six and a half months when uh, we probably get most things wrong uh, and that's okay because that's why we're doing crystal balls rather than actual putting on bets and winning money and we wouldn't be here if we if we knew what was happening uh, so let's go through some of these predictions let's make it quick and um, uh, snappy so I'm gonna go you know I'll, I'll call out you guys but let's start with you Charlie uh, player of the year who's your, who, who's your prediction for player of the year I have to go first. Um, yeah, we want to okay. quick, mate. No explanations, just the name. Okay. Uh, Manny Aparicio. Okay. AGR? I'm going Ali Musi. Nice. Like that. Uh, Benny? I'm going Tristan Borges. Okay. Three different ones. Uh, Mitchell, four for four? Yep. Mobabuli. Okay. Nice. We left it for that. Four for four. I like that. Very good. And very happy fan bases across the league as well. Uh, young player of the year. Let's go back to you, Mitch. Jean Aniel SC, Atletico Ottawa. Mm. Benedict? I'm going Thiago Coimbra in Halifax. AGR? I'm going Mile Henri from Vancouver FC. I like that. And Charlie, four for four? Matteo de Brienne, Valor. There you go. There's four different ones again. All right. Let's see if we can keep this going. Uh, Benedict, let's go to you for Golden Boot. Who's going to be the top goal scorer this year? I'm going to go with Easton Angara at Pacific FC. Mitchell? I'm going to double down and go Mobabuli as well. Charlie? Mm. Uh, I'll take Osaze. Okay. Osaze de Rosario. AGR? Easton Angara. Got to double down on that one. There we go. Okay. Lots of love for the Pacific number nine up front. Uh, back to you, AGR, for goalkeeper of the year. Who have you got for this? I'm going for Rayan Yesley, another Valor one. Very interesting. Gets the number one, uh, the, the opportunity gets between the posts. He took it over last year at the end of the season from Jonathan Siwa, who's full of Santos at his eye on 2023 for a reason. Uh, so I like that. Benedict, goalkeeper of the year for you? I'm going to repeat winner, Marco Carducci. Okay. Uh, Charlie? Callum Irving. He'll be busy, I think. Okay. Mitchell? Charlie and I have been spending too much time together. I have Callum Irving as well. Wow. Okay. There you go. Nobody took Nate Ingham and no one took Tristan Henry. I might take Tristan Henry actually, uh, but no one wants my picks. I'm hosting. Uh, let's go with uh, Defender of the Year. And Mitchell, I'll go to you for this. Um, going in theme, it's got to be Alessandro Hajabraport, probably, but um, <laughs> I'll go with uh, uh, Callum Montgomery out in uh, Calvary. Good okay. That's a good pick. Jolly? Um, Miguel Acosta in Ottawa. Good one. He's been one of the best defenders of the year for a while. Uh, what about you, uh, AGR? I'm going to uh, correct some of what the uh, Ottawa fans wanted from last year. I'm going Diego Espejo. 
Good pick. Uh, if he plays all year, he's going to be one of those slam dunks for that, for sure. And uh, Benedict? I've got someone else who's going to be busy, and that's Tass Mordekudis at York United. Okay, good one as well. Uh, all right, let's go with uh, the final award. Let's go with Coach of the Year, won by Carlos Gonzalez last year. And does Bobby Sminiotis finally win one, Charlie? Yes. Okay. Yes, he does. <laughs> Cal, I like the concise uh, answer. Mitchell? Yes. Benedict? Absolutely. Whoa, we could go. Oh, we, no we way. Could, we could, whoa, hold on. Uh, Alex, what are you going to tell us? Bobby Sminiotis. There you go. You heard it here first. It's done. <laughs> four for four. And uh, people say we don't want Bobby to win the award. I mean, we just all picked it. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, this has been lots of people asking this question. I think Dan asked it. Lots of people. Who is one signing in the league that catches your eye that you don't think others noticed as much? So basically, if you give the same answer here as someone else, you're wrong because it has caught someone else's eye. So lots of new signings in the league. In fact, we have a total of, I think, 65 new new signings this year uh about 35 percent of the rosters have got new signings never played in the canadian premier league before uh so let's uh by the way thomas is chirping you for finally agreeing he's after disagreeing on all the stuff he finally agreed he's also you know, probably not happy that you didn't pick martin nash but that's a different different answer uh, all right so the what i want here is one name one signing in the league that catches your eye that you don't think others will and we'll see from the reaction whether you name somebody else charlie shamit showman cavalry I think they have the ball, and he's he's good with the ball. Benedict, um, going someone I've been hiding for a while, and it's Kieran Basket. Not only for what it does for him, but what it does for Emil Gazdov. I think he'll push him, and, and it'll be a big season for both of them. Okay, Mitchell, Charlie and I were close on this, but I'll go for another Calvary midfielder, Jesse Daly, uh, Brisbane Roar, good level, coming in, a lot of experience. Uh, I like that signing. Alex, did they take your guy? I was worried, but they didn't. I'm going Gianni DeSantos. Just, you know, something about former Pacific champions who maybe didn't play as much as they should go in Ottawa. It just gives me a bit of deja vu. Oh, there you go. I like that. Okay. Uh, I also like Gabriel Antonoro, by the way. He might be a good player mm. in Ottawa. Uh, one underrated player who you will think will take his game to another level this year. Take that question how you think. But one underrated player, perhaps someone who's been in the league for a while, that you think may take his game to another level, Mitch? Um, I'll go with uh, Diego Gutierrez out in Valor. Um, has a good middle partner in Rafa Oheen and I think was an underrated part of you know what they were able to do last year. Love that pick. If I was like Tony Reale or something, I'd be giving you loads of love on the on the whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, Charlie, uh, I'm going to go with Sean Young because he'll get a lot more minutes out of Pacific with uh, with Jamar Dixon retiring and some midfielders moving on. So I think that'll be a, a big year for him. Alex, it looks like he just stole your answer. I put backup options because I was uh, I was wondering <laughs> if that would happen. So uh, I'm gonna go. He hasn't been around, uh, you know, long enough. But I'm gonna go just Christian Companion. I thought that what he showed in the last six months last year, I feel like that's someone who could really just go supernova in the right system for Halifax. I like that too, <laughs> Benny. I'm going for Fumba Mondwe on Halifax. I think he was right when he did play, but uh, with the full season, I think it'll be excellent for Halifax. Alan in the chat chat wants to make sure Forge gets some love for Kwesi Poku as well. He's had a good offseason as well, so we'll keep an eye on him as well. Um, okay, uh, wrapping up pretty quickly here, but let's go to your predictions for the top five. Uh, I want them in order, one to five. Who's making the playoffs this year? Let's start with uh, Alex. I got Forge. Boring, but look, I have to. Then Pacific, Ottawa, York, Cavalry. Those are my five. Wow, that is a heavyweight clash of five there. Benedict. Uh, I got Forge at number one, Cavalry second, Ottawa third, York fourth, and Pacific fifth. 
Okay, so the same five just jiggled around. Uh, Mitchell. Same thing, same five, different order. Forge, Ottawa, Cavalry, York, then Pacific. Okay, Charlie, are you going to keep the same five? Should I throw someone else in there just because it's more fun? I, I, I don't know if I can. It's up to you. you got your name <laughs> on the line here. Yeah, no, I, I, I still think it's uh, Forge, Cavalry, Ottawa, Pacific, York. Wow. So all four experts pick the five teams to get in. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that to see whether they're right. Uh, and we end, we end with uh, the North Star Shield winners at the very last game of the season. Who will lift the trophy? Benedict. Uh, it's Forge FC. Mitchell. I think go Cavalry. I think Forge win the regular season, and then Cavalry, the playoffs mean everything to them, so they have to do it this year. I like how you went safe there and gave Forge another trophy just so you didn't get any hate mail. Uh, Charlie. Uh, I've picked them several times, and they've let me down each time, but I'm still going with Cavalry as well. Okay. Alex? I'm going Ottawa. Something about teams just going to finals, getting that taste of, of what it takes. They retain most of their core. I go Ottawa. There you go. Fascinating stuff. All right, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough. It's been a long night, but we appreciate it. It's been a long wait, right? It's been a long wait for this. The chat's lighting up. It's been a long night as well. We can't wait for this. Um, a reminder, again, thanks so much, all four of you. We appreciate all your hard work. You can read their work at campio.ca throughout the season. And, of course, at onesoccer.ca, AGR. Keep up the great work. Benny, thanks for all your help behind the scenes. Charlie and Mitch continuing to do all the work at campio.ca as well. Thanks to Adam Del Pienko, to Kenny Edwards, and others for the helping with the show. Um, before we leave, let's put up the schedule board and a reminder what we can see this weekend again as the CPL week one kicks off all games live on one soccer starting on Saturday at 12.30 as they're on the air all the way through. That's right, all the, all the way through till around about 9.30 that night, Eastern time. So it's a long day for them, but we'll be involved in that. I'll be out on the island helping them out with their broadcast. A triple header, Atletico Ottawa taking on Halifax Wanderers from 1 p.m. And then Forge against Cavalry. The rivalry reignites in day one on the 2023 season at Tim Hortons Field. Starlight Stadium, the birth of Vancouver Football Club, 4 o'clock local time there. And then on Sunday, York United take on Valor FC. We have waited some time for these games to return. We're back. In six and a half months, we'll see another trophy lifted. Who will it be? Here's a reminder of what we've seen. Good night, everybody. <laughs>